very, very, very long lesson. Uh, It's six pages long, uh, so I doubt we finish tonight, but we're going to try. I really want to try. Raise your hand if you need a lesson. Raise your hand if you need a lesson. Please, if you're married, get one of these. If you're thinking about it, get one of these. If you wish you wasn't, get one of these. Amen. (laughs) Raise your hand. Make sure to get one. Everybody get one. Everybody get one. Everybody get one. Please, please, please get one. This is really, really important. If we get this tonight, we will drastically cut down on on marriage counseling at Temple. Say amen. This is really important. Really, really important. Uh, Everybody get a lesson. Everybody get a lesson. Now, let me say this. Let me put a little commercial out there. Uh, uh, we, I love participation. I do. I love when y'all interact with me and, and there's amening and there's shouting and hallelujah and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, sometimes, uh, when we're dealing with the women folk, the men folk like to say amen, unless they're chicken. Uh, and then, and then when the women, when I'm dealing with the men folk, then the lady folk like to say amen and all that. Now I'm just going to warn you. Uh, now, men, you can shout and holler and carry on when I'm dealing with the men or the ladies, but just remember, you next. Okay? Uh, so just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind before you get silly and uh, all that kind of thing. Uh, you're next. Amen. And God has put a greater responsibility on the men than he did the women. And, I, and we're, we're going to deal with that here, hopefully tonight, if not next week, but we're going to deal with it. Amen. Uh, tonight is going to be different than most studies. We're going we're gonna to have homework. Uh, we're going to have homework, so uh, that's, that's really important that we do that. And, uh, and this is not one of them, this is not one of them uh, couples that you, you think you've got it all together and say, well, we don't need this. We're, we're good. I don't want you to be good. I want you to be great. The biggest enemy to a great marriage is a good marriage. And we settle... For less than the best. And we don't need to do that. Amen? Amen. So, say this with me. This, this is for me. Is All right. First Peter chapter number 3 and uh, verse number 1. I'm going to read just a few verses and I'm going to let you sit down. Then we're going to pass out uh, another, uh, another uh, sheet of paper. One per couple. One per couple. All right? And I'll explain why in just a minute. It says in First Peter chapter 3 verse number 1. Have you found your spot? <clears throat> Likewise, now last week, if you will remember, we talked about submitting to authority, submitting to the, the higher power or the, the, the authority that God has given over us as far as the president, the governors, the senators, the policemen, the judges, so forth and so on. God has put human government in our lives to help us live a peaceful life and we are to submit to their authority. Now, uh, then he gave us the illustration of Jesus and how Jesus himself submitted to the authority and was obedient unto his Father. He gave us the great example we could ever have. And now he uses the word likewise, okay? And the first one we're going to deal with is the wives, but then we're going to talk about the husbands, okay? So likewise, knowing what we just read and studied last week, he says, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. That if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. The word conversation there means behavior or your, your actions around them. Now, isn't it amazing? He says, be in subjection to your own husband. Sometimes, sometimes 
uh, uh, ladies pay more attention to other men than their own husband. And it's very important that we see the emphasis he puts here. He says in verse number 2, While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning or plating of the hair, or of wearing of gold, or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, there's that word again, likewise, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, give honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Uh, your prayers be not hindered. Men, you can cause God not to listen to you by the way you treat your spouse. This is really important tonight, and I hope we get the truth of God's word tonight. Amen? Uh, tonight, we're not going to be politically correct. Uh, we're not going to be culturally relevant tonight. We're just going to teach the Bible. Amen. The Bible is not out of date. The Bible is right on time. The truth of God's word, it says, endureth to all generations. I know it's 2014, but the Bible's still right. I don't care what society's doing. I don't care what the age is. The Bible is still right. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. Lord, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I need every couple, every couple. I want you to raise your hand because we need to give one per couple because I want you to do this exercise together. One per couple. One per couple. If you're a single, with cheese, amen. If you're a single, you can get one of these. I want to make sure every couple gets one. And one per couple because I want you to do it together. And just put that aside. Don't even look at it right now. Just get it and put it to the side, all right? Uh, this is something for you to do later, and I'll explain to you. And if I forget, remind me before we dismiss what I want you to do with that, all right? Uh, 1 Peter chapter number 2, or excuse me, chapter number 3, in verse 1. Tonight, first off, I'd like to deal with the wives. Uh, if you'll notice the title, uh, what is the title of tonight's lesson? Uh-huh. Don't that fit? You, you, you want me to do what? Submit? Well, that's a dirty word today. That's a dirty word. And, and really, it's the only verse in the Bible that most husbands memorize. But we're going to find out. We're going to find out it's not what they think it is, and it's not what the wives think it is. First off, I want you to see number one. When it comes to wives in submission and the teaching of God's word here, number one, I want you to see the exhortation that's delivered, the preaching or the encouragement that's delivered. Verse number one. Peter is speaking to the wives in, in the household. He says, be in subjection to your own husbands. He can, this is really a continued, a, a continued thought from chapter number 2. He's going down the list as a citizen and as a Christian. How are we to be submissive in all of those areas? And now he gets into the home. Now he, he deals with the home and he begins with the wives. 
He says, he says, submit to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. He's, he's, he's also dealing not with just Christian uh, uh, spouses, but non-Christian spouses. In other words, if even, even if your husband is not, not saved and not a believer, he says you are to submit to him. Now, watch what it says. The word translated in your notes, the word translated subjection is a military term that means to place under rank. God has a place for everything. He has ordained various levels of authority in the institutions he ordained, and we'll talk about them. He has ordained that the husband be the head of the home and that as he submits to Christ, his wife should submit to him. Headship is not dictatorship. All the men say that with me. Headship is not dictatorship. All the men say it with me. Headship is not dictatorship, but the loving exercise of divine authority and responsibility under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Last year, or excuse me, last week, we mentioned those three institutions. Here they are. Write this down. God instituted and ordained three institutions on this planet. First was the home. He, divide, he, he, he instituted, he invented, he created the home with Adam and Eve in the garden. He created the home. And he has a, a, a line of authority in the home. He has a place of authority in the home. Ephesians 5.22 Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So God ordained the home. Then government, write that down. Government. Romans 13, 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher power, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. 1 Peter 2, 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme. Now, what does that mean? God instituted the home, and there's a line of authority in the home. God instituted government, human government. God put a line of authority in human government. And the third is the church. Write that down. He instituted the church and ordained the church. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them, he's, he's referring to the church, obey them that have the rule over you, the leadership in the church, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as that they must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So in all three of these institutions, we find God has ordained these for our benefit. God has ordained these for our blessing. Now, in every one, there is a line of authority, and with authority comes responsibility. Now, as we look at these, I want you to write this down. A, submission, when it comes to submission, submission in the home is a wife's obligation. Put that word down, obligation. <clears throat> Placing yourself under the authority of another. God has commanded it because in his wisdom... He knows that there is, that is the best arrangement for a happy, fulfilling marriage. Subjection does not mean that the wife is inferior to the husband. Please get that. 
It doesn't mean that he's smarter than she is. It doesn't mean that, that he has more ability than, he, than she does. It doesn't mean that he has more skills in any way superior whatsoever. It has nothing to do with that. In fact, in 1 Peter 3, 7, Peter made it clear that the husband and wife are heirs together. The man and woman are made by the same creator out of the same basic material, and both are made in God's image. And in Jesus Christ, Christian mates are one. Submission has to do with order and authority, not evaluation. Say that with me. Submission has to do with order and authority, not evaluation. Even Christ himself became a servant and submitted to God's will. There is nothing degrading about submitting to the authority or accepting God's order. If anything, it's the first step towards fulfillment. Husbands and wives must be partners, not competitors. Now, before you turn, you have a, a buck private and a five-star general. The buck private may be smarter. He may, he may have more intellect. His, his IQ may be out the roof, way above the general. But guess what? He's a buck private. He has an office. He has a, a rank, if you will. He has a responsibility, just like the general does. And, and what the point of this matter is, is the woman in the home has a rank and a responsibility. And the man has a rank and a responsibility. As the woman is to submit to the man... The man is to submit to Christ. You say, my woman needs to follow me as you are following Christ. Are y'all with me? Now, we see submission is an obligation. B. Submission is an opportunity. Now, watch this. This is really good. I have been able to help many, many spouses uh, with this particular truth. He says, if you are married to someone who is an unbeliever, if you are married, and he's speaking primarily to wives, but this truth can apply to the husband also, if the husband is married to an unbeliever, it says that if any obey not the word, you submitting yourself to his authority and his leadership in the home, if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. What's he saying? You have an opportunity to win your husband by submitting to him. By submitting to his leadership. And by submitting to his authority. And how you behave in the home will greatly enhance your ability to win him and bring him to Christ. An opportunity for what? To save your spouse. God not only commands submission, but he uses it as a powerful spiritual influence in a home. An unsaved husband will not be converted by preaching or nagging in the home. Please get that. You can nag all you want to nag and that's not going to work. I have seen more people do more damage by, by preaching at someone and by nagging somebody to death and it usually just turns them away. But the Bible says you can win them without the word. Now, it's not talking about without the Bible per se. It means much speaking. In other words, you don't have to drag them by the ear and get them underneath in this building and hear preaching to win them. You can win them by your behavior around them. You know, the greatest thing we could ever understand, the Bible teaches us that we are salt and light. And if we are the salt of the earth, salt makes you thirsty. 
And if you, will, if you will live and you will behave and you will act in a certain manner around them, they will want what you have. If you show peace, if you show grace, if you show, listen, that you have something that's worth having, they will desire to have what you have by your behavior, not by your preaching, not by your nagging, but by your behavior around them. And all God's people said, listen, <clears throat> the phrase without the word, as I said a while ago, does not mean without the word of God because salvation comes through the word. It means without talk or without a lot of speaking. Christian wives who preach at their husbands only drive them farther from the Lord. It is the character and conduct of the wife that will win the lost husband, not arguments, but such attitudes as submission, understanding, love, kindness, and patience. Now watch this. These qualities are not manufactured. Underline that. Underline that. These qualities are not manufactured. In other words, you can't just work that up. You can't just work up patience. You can't, you can't just work up kindness. You can't just work up love. They're not manufactured. They are the fruit of the Spirit that comes when we are submitted to Christ and to one another. What does that mean? You can't submit to your spouse until you're submitted to Christ. And when you begin to submit yourself to Christ, it makes it a whole lot easier to be the spouse you're supposed to be. Amen? A husband, a husband cannot force his wife to respect him and submit to him. She must do this willingly and voluntarily out of her love and respect and obedience to Christ. Did y'all hear what I said? I didn't say to her husband. He may be a jerk. He may, he may, be, he may be a jerk. But she's submitting to Christ. She's loving Christ and being obedient to Christ. Now, watch. Submission is an ornament. See, write that down. Submission is an ornament. The word translated adorning here. He said, he said who's adorning, talking about the Christian wife, who's adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of plating the hair, and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. Now, before you get freaked out and say, oh, my goodness, i got to sell all my jewelry. That's not what he's saying. A lot of people go to extremes with this. And they're not understanding the point of the truth he's trying to, to, to reveal and deliver. Now, what is this adorning? The word translated adorning is cosmos in the Greek. And gives us our English words cosmos or the ordered universe and cosmetic. It is the opposite of chaos. How many of y'all know God loves order? He said in the church, everything should be done in decency and in order. He likes order. He does not like chaos. Listen, Peter warned the Christian wife not to major on external decorations, but on internal character. Roman women, now watch, what, not, watch who he's dealing with. Roman women were captivated by the latest fashions of the day and competed with each other in dress and hairdos. It was not unusual for the women to have elaborate hairdos studded with gold and silver combs and even jewels. They wore elaborate and expensive garments all for the purpose of impressing each other. A Christian woman who cultivates the beauty of the inner person will not have to depend on cheap externals. God is concerned about values, not prices. 
Of course, this does not mean a wife should neglect herself and not try to be up to date in her apparel. It simply means that she is not majoring on being a fashion plate just to keep up with the crowd. Any husband is proud of a wife who is attractive. But that, oh, I love this. But that beauty must come from the heart, not the store. Peter did not forbid the wearing of jewelry any more than the wearing of apparel. Because you, you see the word apparel there too. If he said we can't wear no jewelry, that means you've got to walk around naked. And that ain't happening. Say amen. <laughs> now, do y'all understand the spirit of what he's trying to portray? It's not what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside. It's the, it's the inward man. It's the beauty of the inside. 1 Peter 3.3 3 means the putting around and refers to a gaudy display of jewelry. It is possible to wear jewelry and still honor God. We must not judge one another in this matter. Now listen, the most attractive thing about you should be your attitude. It should be your spirit. Now, let me say this, and we can use this in, 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 in our, our apparel. The Bible says very clearly that we should have modest apparel. Amen? And we're living in a society that is so sex-crazed and so image-driven that we want to we wear clothes that attracts attention to everything but our face. And I'm talking about women. And you say, why are you always dealing with women when it comes to clothes? Because you're not visually oriented like men are. Men are more visually stimulated. That's why they have such a hard, difficult time with keeping their mind pure with everything that's going around them. And if you will notice, he's saying, what's in your heart? What the most attractive thing about you should be your heart. And I'm telling you, when your heart is attractive and your spirit is attractive, it makes everything attractive. And have you noticed that you could be a knockout bombshell on the outside and have a bad attitude and it makes you look ugly? Listen, submission is an ornament. You submitting to your husband, according to Peter, is a decoration that is beautiful in the sight of God. You submitting to him. Now, here we find, here we find three things. Submission A, say it back to me, submission is a obligation b submission is a it's an opportunity and submission is an it's an ornament now now watch what he does he gives us an example he gives us an example he said look look in verse number five for after this manner in the old time the holy women also who trusted in god ordained themselves being in subjection under their own husbands look how far sarah took this even as sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, calling him Lord. He said, whose daughters ye are. In other words, he's saying, that's your heritage. As long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. What that means is saying, don't, don't fear submission. Don't be afraid to submit to your husband. Now, here's two things I want you to get out of this example. First, we saw an exhortation. Now, here is an example that's displayed. A. We see Sarah's activity. Sarah's activity. The verse says this. She obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. She obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. I, I, I hear people making jokes all the time and saying stuff about marriage vows and all. Well, I'm not going to say I'm going to obey my husband. You're, you're take, you, you know what? 
You're basically saying, I refuse to be obedient to the Bible. She obeyed Abraham, calling him. Lord, now I know that's pretty stout. And I understand that. And I know, I know that's a culture shock coming to us in the society that we live in. But do you realize how far away, how far away we have gotten from God's word? Listen, she obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now, how am I going to do that? I'm glad you asked. Verse number five, because I wondered. Because you see, I've done, done some reading up on Abraham. And Abraham wasn't all that great of a fella. I mean, he was the friend of God, and he was the, the father of the Jewish nation, and God did call him out, and Abraham by faith, and all that kind of stuff, but he wasn't always the man. There, there was a time in, in their lives with him and Sarah that, 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 that he came to a, a foreign group of people, and he was so afraid for his life because she was good looking, and, and he told her, just tell them you're my sister so they won't kill me. Do you know how that would go over? In other words, he was willing to give her up to save his hide. That is completely the opposite. That is completely the opposite of loving your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He wasn't, he wasn't anything. He wasn't even close to being the husband that God expected him to be. Yet, she obeyed him and submitted to him and called him Lord. You say, why are you saying all that? Because I've heard so many wives say, well, when he starts acting like it, then I'll do it. That's not what God said. God did not say when he starts acting right and when he starts being what he's supposed to be. And, and listen, when I get to the husbands, husbands, it doesn't say when she starts acting right and she starts being what, then you, you're supposed to do your part, period. And ladies, how did they do that? How was she willing to submit to somebody who treated her in that way? Verse number 5, for after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who, who, do you notice it didn't say who trusted in Abraham? Her trust was not in the one she was submitted to. Her trust was in the one who commanded her to submit. This is going over great, isn't it? <laughs> Subjection. You say, what's, what do we do? What's happening? I'm afraid in today's society, there's not a whole lot of submitting going on, but there's a whole lot of manipulation. A whole lot of manipulation. I'm going to read a few things. And, and I, I, I took this from a, a, a women's perspective so it wouldn't be like I was being partial and taking it from a man's. This is from another woman. Uh, as I was looking through the Bible, as I was looking through the Bible, God began to put different women in, in my mind who were manipulators, who were not submissive, but they were manipulators behind the scene working things for their benefit and working things so they could get their way. And, and I, I saw uh, uh, actually four. Started with Eve, then Sarah. And let me, let me finish. I know we just said how much she submitted, but let me finish. Sarah. Then we have Jezebel, 
And then we have Herodias. Herodias. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, Jezebel and Herodias were horrible people. They were some of the most wicked people that has ever lived. Uh, Jezebel, and I'm not going to take the time because I want to get on the men here in a minute, but uh, I want you to go home and read about Jezebel in 1 Kings. I want, you to, I want you to read how she manipulated her husband Ahab and, 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 and the wickedness that she displayed. Uh, I want you to go to Mark chapter number 6, I think, uh, and, and read about uh, Herodias, which was Herod's wife. And, 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 and she hated John Baptist so much because he preached against their marriage because it was unlawful for them to even be married. And, and she was so spiteful that she began to manipulate her husband and, and use sex to do it. And she ended up having John Baptist killed and beheaded. Herod didn't want to do it because Herod liked John. But he was so manipulated by her, his wicked wife that he ended, he ended up doing something horrific. Now, when I first started looking at the manipulation in these women, the first, the, the, really the only two I come up with was Jezebel and Herodias. But then God said, don't forget Eve and don't forget Sarah. And I, I got the verses in your notes. Uh, Eve manipulated her husband into taking the fruit. Look how that turned out for us. Sarah manipulated, manipulated Abraham and said, listen, won't you just go sleep with my handmaid? I know God's promised us a, a, a child. I know God's promised us a seed, but this thing ain't happening. Uh, I'm going to just help out God a little bit. Now, it probably didn't take too much manipulation. She didn't have to bend his arm too much, but she manipulated him. Now, watch this. This is the truth that just blew my mind. Ladies, sometimes you want to help God fix your husband. And subtly, and you may not even realize it, you begin to manipulate things in his life to change him. And God don't need our help. And I said, Lord, why, why do you, why'd you give me, why'd you give me Eve and, and why'd you give me Sarah? They're good people. He said, that's the point. Because even good people can fall into manipulation. Probably no woman in this, this building would ever be classified as a Jezebel, I hope. Probably, probably no woman in this, in this room could ever be classified as a Herodias because they were, they were just ultra, unbelievably wicked. But even good people sometimes manipulate. And I think that is why God gave me Eve and Sarah. Even if you mean well, manipulation is wrong. Now, here's some examples. Here's some examples of manipulation. Linda Green. Linda Green, who is the Women's Missionary Ministries Director in Arlington Heights, Illinois. She, she gave some examples how we can manipulate or wives can manipulate their husbands. By God's design, men thrive best when they feel respected by others. Ladies, you can believe that. Men thrive best when they feel respected by others, especially their wives. Wives flourish when they feel protected and cherished by the men they love. Men, you can believe that. Unfortunately, due to sin, 
Not only do we fall short of giving to our mates what they most need, but we also are prone to use inappropriate means to get what we personally long for. While most women can easily come up with the ways their men fail to show love for them, as wives, we can often miss... Now, this, remember, this is coming from a woman's point of view. As wives, we can often miss the plank in our own eye. In God's goodness, he created women for relationship and influence. But as every woman innately knows, our influence can become a power that is used for selfish gain rather than the glory of God. Instead of going to God with our unmet needs and disappointments, our natural temptation is to resort to manipulation, the attempt to control or get our way through subtle, creative, and unfair means. In fact, it can be so subtle that we often fool even ourselves. So let's take a look at just nine common ways that we might be guilty of using manipulation rather than turning to God's Word and prayer to show us a better way. Number one, the leaky faucet. Complaining and nagging until he gives you what you want. Just on and on and on and on and on and on. And if you've been married 10 minutes, you know that don't work by now. Listen, the trial lawyer. Verbally, now, now everybody's not guilty of all these because some have a different personality. But just one may fit you and you may see that. And if you do, let's quit it. The trial lawyer verbally out-talking him and shutting him down with, his, with her verbal skills. Blame game. Making her husband feel like he is responsible for her unhappiness, anger, or sadness. If only you made more money, we're, or we're home more, or had a better job, or if you had this, or if you had that, I'd be happy. Clue. Expecting him to read her mind, but giving little in the ways of clues. Sighing. Pouting. Now we say, well, I'm being submissive. I just don't say nothing. But you're giving a cold shoulder. It's the same thing. Uh, giving one-word answers. Now watch this. But when he asks what's wrong, you say, nothing. Now, men, let me help you something. When, when she says nothing... Don't believe it. <laughs> Don't believe it. Smoke signals. I like this one. Banging pots and pans around in the kitchen to make a point that you're doing the dishes. <laughs> without coming out and asking for help. He gonna know I'm in here. <laughs> Waterworks. Most men don't like to see a woman crying, so even when he thinks he's right, he'll usually soften to stop the crying. That's cheating, people. I'm just going to tell you right now, that's cheating. Angling. In other words, pointing a direction. Withholding sex or using sex to get what she wants. That's big time. That is big time. That is a powerful motivation used in the wrong way, is nothing but manipulation. That is to be a gift. That is to be, y'all know, I ain't even got to explain that. Number eight, guilt trap. Laying guilt on him, telling him how disappointed she is in him. Performance trap. Make him feel inadequate. 
We're the only ones I know who haven't been to Disney World. <laughs> or who, who, we don't have the, look what everybody else, look what. While manipulation does seem to be a particular temptation for wives, through the power of the gospel, we can, now this is, this is Linda speaking, uh, through the power of the gospel, we can choose a better way. What has most helped me is the same thing that helped Sarah become a godly wife of Abraham. And 1 Peter 3, 6 tells us her secret. Now all the ladies say it with me. Sarah put her hope in God and did not give way to fear. Manipulation. Uh, let me say this before we get to the men. Ladies, remember this. God is going to hold us accountable for everything we do and how we treat our husbands, how we treat our spouses. Men, same principle. Men's greatest need is to be respected. A man, a man can be disrespected in the workplace disrespected on the ball field, disrespected in the school, and can get over it. But when he's disrespected at home, he cannot get over it. Because the only person he truly desires and wishes and wants to be respected by is his wife. And the greatest thing that you could ever do for him is to honor him and love him and help him feel respected in the steps that you take. And your homework that I'm going to describe in a minute, we're going to go both ways on that particular situation. All right, husbands. Husbands. Verse 7. Likewise, he gave the responsibilities of the wife in verses 1 through 6. Now he says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Give honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. Uh, number one, our responsibility, guys. Our responsibility. Uh, we have a physical responsibility. It says dwell with them. Dwell with them. The husband must make time to be home with his wife. Christian workers and church officers uh, who get too busy running around solving other people's problems may end up creating problems of their own at home. One survey revealed that the average husband and wife had 37 minutes a week, a week together in actual communication. Is it any wonder that marriage, marriages fall apart after the children grow up and leave home? The husband and wife are left alone to live with strangers one day you wake up and you look at the other person and say who are you because when the children are born all of a sudden they get all of our attention our our life they're first ladies and gentlemen they're out of order if they're first husbands wives if your children come before your spouse it's out of order 
The greatest thing you could ever do for, you see how quiet it got? Because that is so, that is so opposite of culture today. And there are so many families that when the children are gone, they have no idea who it is they're living with because everything is consumed by the children, by their hobbies, by their activities, by their games, by their sports, by all of this stuff, so that when 15 to 18, 20 years go by of consumed with them, they're gone, you have nothing in common, and the marriage falls apart. Listen. Dwell with them also suggests, now, now this, this, is, this is here, right here is going to get real tight. Now, I'm just going to tell you that right now. But I'm teaching the Bible. This is, not a, this, is, this is not about culture or political correctness. This is the Bible. Dwell with them also suggests that the husband provide for the physical and material needs of the home. While it is not wrong for a wife to have a job or career, her first responsibility is to care for the home. Titus 2.4 that they may teach the young women, this is talking about the older women, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Read it with me, ladies. To be discreet, read it with me, ladies. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now, and to the husband, to the husband, it is the husband who should provide. Men, read this with me. 1 Timothy 5, 8. Read it with me. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Worse than an infidel. I remember the day, I remember the day that I called my dad, and uh, I was in Bible college, and uh, uh, me and Tammy had been, had been dating, and, 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 and we realized that, this was the one. Uh, I called dad. He hadn't met her yet. And, 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 and I called dad and said, I have found the one. I have found the one. He says, is that right? I mean, he just baited me in. I mean, he just sucked me in. It was a, he said, man, that's great, son. That's wonderful. And see, he knew, he knew I lived in, the, in the, the, the penthouse above the clubhouse at the golf course. I worked at Midland Valley Country Club, and they had an apartment above there. And I got to stay there for free. Uh, free electric, uh, uh, free meals, uh, free rent. Somebody say amen right there. And see what she done to me, amen, I, free. Now, dad knew, dad knew that once we got married, we couldn't stay there no more. And, 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 and he's, just, he's just drawing me in. So, oh, this is wonderful, son. This is where y'all going to get married. And, and, and then he hit me with the question. I mean, he built it up and drew me in, and I mean, he was ready to set the hook. He said, all right, son, where y'all going to live? I said, uh, uh, well, uh, probably we'll stay with her mom for a little while. He said, because he, I done asked him to do the marriage ceremony. He said, well, then I'm not going to marry you. I said, why not? He said, because you're not ready to get married. I said, why not? He said, son, when you say I do, she's your responsibility. She is no longer mom's. She is no longer dad's. She's your responsibility. It is your responsibility to put a roof over her head. 
to put clothes on her back, to put food in her stomach. She is your responsibility. And until you can do that, you're not ready to get married. And I will not marry you until you can do that. So I went and rented the Roach Motel. Say amen. <laughs> Ain't that right, darling? $210 a month. But we had love, amen, and we had love. You know what? I look back now, and that's the greatest thing my father could have ever done for me. I see so many couples and so many young people showing no maturity whatsoever, no responsibility whatsoever, no accountability whatsoever. Now here, let me, let me help you for something. Now everybody in here, if you've been coming here long enough, you know I love you and I'm going to tell you what, what the Bible says regardless because I love you. I know the culture is in such a way that we, we can't afford it. We both have to work. But watch what happens. God wired the man a certain way. God wired the woman a certain way. God wired the man to provide. God wired the woman to nurture and relationship. God wired the man. The man is the buffalo. The woman is the butterfly. And God wired the man in such a way to go out into this world, kill it, drag it home, and provide meat. He is tough. He is rough. Listen, uh, stuff doesn't bother him. Little bitty things that would bother the, 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 the wife does not bother him. Why? God wired him that way. God made him that way because he is the protector he is the provider. Are y'all with me? Now, on the opposite end of that, on the opposite end of that, we have the, the mom. When the, when, the children, when the children have a boo-boo, who do they call? Mom. Why? Because she's the nurturer. She was designed. Are y'all with me? Amen. Now, what happens is this. When we both go out, and, 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 and the woman begins to take the place of the man and, and trying to provide. She's not wired for it. She stresses so much easier and so much faster than he does. And what happens is they begin to mix roles and the roles get confused. And in instead of her submitting to him, well, I make more money than he does. Well, he needs to submit to me. The only problem with that is the wiring's messed up. Regardless of what culture does, regardless of what, what we do in society, that book's still right. And I have seen so many couples come in because they're both working and they come home and, and the husband expects the wife to do everything the wife's supposed to do. She's the keeper at home. Yeah, but she's working 40 hours like you are. So now we got to fight. Amen. Now watch. Men, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. Uh, if you're going to expect your wife to work 40 hours, you better do everything she does at home. 
Now, I wish I, wish I can say that I, I've been good at this, and I've been, I, 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 wish, I wish Tammy was sick tonight and at home. I really do, because I, I, don't, I don't like dealing with this right here. Oh, actually, I just wish you was at home, not sick, just at home. That didn't sound good. Love her like Christ loved the church, amen. None of this, none of this is easy. And man, as I was studying this and digging into this and digging and digging and digging, man, it, it really reveals how we in society have gotten so far away from God's perfect design. What made, what made, what made the, the greatest generation the greatest generation? Oh, well, they had more backbone. No, no, no. What did they have at home? It was more according to God's perfect design. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You say, well, preacher, we just can't afford it. It might be we need to adjust our lifestyles a little bit. Amen? dwell with them we have a physical responsibility number two we have an intellectual responsibility an intellectual responsibility how are we to dwell with them according to knowledge according to knowledge I told y'all before one of the first revivals I ever did after I left uh, the church in South Carolina uh, we were doing a revival me and Tammy got into a little discussion at one of the, 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 the people's house that, that was feeding us after, excuse me, after the revival. It was an older couple, and, and uh, she heard me and, me and Tammy uh, talking. I don't even remember what it was, but we were having a discussion. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, uh, and, and, and this, this godly woman, she said, she said, Preacher, if you would know her like you knew that Bible, y'all would get along a whole lot better. Now, my first thought was, woman, mind your own business, amen. Don't be quoting the Bible on me, amen. I know. But you know what? How true is that? How true is that? Somebody asked Miss Albert Einstein if she understood Dr. Einstein's theory of relativity, and she replied, nope, but I understand the doctor. It is amazing that two people can live together and not really know each other. Ignorance is dangerous in any area of life, but is especially dangerous in marriage. A Christian husband needs to know his wife's moods, feelings, needs, fears, and hopes. He needs to listen with his heart and share meaningful communication with her. There must be in the home such a protective atmosphere of love and submission that the husband and wife can disagree and still be happy together. Now, here's the thing. Ladies, ladies, all of that's true, 100%. But here's the thing. If he begins to ask you about these things, you can never, ever again use the three dirty words. I don't know. Uh, baby, what would you like here? I don't know. Well, what about, well, I don't know. All right, I don't know if you understand this or not, but your husbands are not mind readers. 
Matter of fact, when it comes to most things, we're kind of dense. And all the men said, who are not cowards, amen, amen. Hence, don't work. It, would, it wouldn't even hurt our feelings if you wrote it down. Amen? I don't know. Can't use that no more. Can't use that. If we're trying to have communication, we're trying to have, have a, meaningful, uh, a meaningful talk, you can't use I don't know no more. That's out. That's out. Speaking the truth in love is the solution to the communication problem. It has well been said that love without truth is hypocrisy, and truth without love is brutality. I, that's, that's my problem. I, I'm, I'm way too much like Joe Friday, and, I, I, and, and, and when an issue comes to me, I, I'm, I'm so much in the problem-solving mode, uh, that's, a, that's a difficult thing for me. Uh, it, because it's my life, it's all I ever do is solve problems, so I think everything is, 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 is an issue that I must solve, and, and sometimes men, uh, we go into the mode of fixing things when they just want us to listen. Now, uh, I'm going to be the first to tell you, I'm not good at that. I don't even like that. Say amen. amen. But it's necessary. It's necessary because, because truth, truth without love is brutality. Y'all with me? And so we have, we've, got, we've got to balance this stuff out. We've got to balance this stuff out. Uh, you have to know when to say when. Y'all with me? Amen. All right. <laughs> I'm getting deeper and deeper, ain't I? Uh, we need both truth and love if we are to grow in our understanding of one another. How can a husband, how can a husband show consideration for his wife if he does not understand her needs or problems? To say, I never knew you, now, now please perk up right here. To say, I never knew you felt that way is to confess that at some point, one mate excom excommunicated the other. Either one wasn't speaking or one wasn't listening. When either mate is afraid, now, now I know what everybody's thinking, all the women saying, yeah, he wasn't listening. That's not always the case. That's not always the case. Now watch. When either mate is afraid to be open and honest about a matter, then he or she is building walls and not bridges. Now, now before you turn, before you turn, it's not always the case that he's not listening. But there may be a wall with you because of your past hurts. And when we have past hurts and wounds in our life that haven't been healed and haven't been dealt with, then we don't want to get near that because that might hurt again so we completely cut off the other person in that error. Are y'all with me? So we got to deal with that. We got to be able to communicate. In every marriage, there's the talker and there's the walker. Y'all with me? There's the one that wants to talk, let's fix this, let's settle this, let's get this done, let's take care of this, let's talk about this, and we're not going to quit till we take care, and nah, 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 nah. And then there's the walker, let's, let's, just, let's just forget it, let's just, let's just avoid it, let's just go on. I want to walk away from this situation. The extreme on both of those ends are bad. The talker needs to know when the walker needs a little space, and the walker needs to know when they need to bow up and just deal with it. Y'all with me? All right, number three. Number three. I got so many pages I can't find it. Amen. Here we go. 
Number three, the emotional responsibility. The Bible says, give honor unto the wife. Give honor unto the wife. Every husband must be a knight in shining armor who treats his wife like a princess. By the way, Sarah means princess. Now here's the thing. Uh, Here's the hard part. Treating her like a princess when she don't act like one. Submitting to him as Lord when he don't act like one. Y'all with me? Peter did not suggest that a wife is the weaker vessel mentally, morally, spiritually, but rather physically. There are exceptions, of course, but generally speaking, the man is the stronger of the two when it comes to physical accomplishments. The husband should treat his wife like an expensive, beautiful, fragile vase in which is a precious treasure. When a young couple starts dating, the boy is courteous and thoughtful. After they get engaged, he shows even more courtesy and always acts like a gentleman. Sad to say, soon after they get married, many a husband forgets to be kind and gentlemanly and starts talking or taking his wife for granted. Now, why is that? Because men are conquerors. Men see everything, even their relationships, as something to conquer. Once the ring goes on the finger, he has her. He has conquered the conquest, and he moves on to another conquest. And that's, that's, that shouldn't be. I, I, in, in marriage counseling, I'll usually tell them that, that this, 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 this ring, uh, there's something in the middle of this ring that, that when it goes on, it causes a chemical imbalance that we act totally different than we act the whole time to get us to the point where we can put the ring on. And, and, and it happens on both, both ways. Both ways. Uh, man, I wish I had time. Uh, Men say, men say this with me because this is important. Uh, big resentments, say it with me, big resentments often grow out of small hurts. Little bitty things that, 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 that we had no idea the hurt it caused her. Husbands and wives need to be honest with each other. Admit hurts and seek forgiveness and healing. Giving honor unto the wife does not mean giving in to the wife. A husband can disagree with his wife and still respect and honor her. As the spiritual leader in the home, the husband must sometimes make decisions that are not popular, but he can still act with courtesy and respect. Uh, Ladies, sometimes the husband has to have the final say because he's the head of the home. I tell every, every couple, look, you need to pray and ask God to lead you in every decision, and y'all need to be together on every decision. But there will be times when you're not together on every decision. And at that moment and that time is when the husband has to take the lead. And, and ladies, you have to submit to his leadership in the home because that's God's design. Now here is submission to that. It doesn't mean that, that you give him the cold shoulder every time you do it if his leadership goes different than what you want him to do. Well, I'm submissive. Yeah, but look how you're treating him. He gets the cold shoulder every time you're around. Uh, uh, You know it, and we can play games all we can want, but uh, you know when you're pouting. And that's that's not submission. 
That's not trusting God. That's manipulating him till he does what you want him to do. And that's, that's, that's wicked. Giving honor means that the husband respects his wife's feelings, thinking, and desires. Now, men, you got to go back to that first statement. Uh, uh, headship in the home is not dictatorship. You would be a fool not to consider your wife's feelings and intellect and expertise and, and matters of decisions that you make in the home. God gave her to you to complete you, not to compete with you. And, and anyhow, let's go. Uh, husbands and wives need to be honest with each other. Admit hurts and seek forgiveness and dealing and healing. Giving honor does not mean giving in to the wife. A husband can disagree with his wife and still respect her. As a spiritual leader in the home, the husband must sometimes make decisions that are not popular, but he can still act with courtesy and respect. Say that with me. He can still act with giving honor means that the husband respects his wife's feelings, thinking, and desires. He may not agree with her ideas, but he respects them. Often God balances a marriage so that the husband needs what the wife has in her personality. And she, and by the way, uh, the, things, the things that may irritate you the most might be the one that's most necessary for you. The things in your spouse that drive you crazy may be the very things that you need in your marriage to balance it out. And God knew that. Uh, maybe we'll go into that some more next week. Uh, uh, help me, help me, help me. Uh, needs wife and her personality. And she likewise needs his good qualities. An impulsive husband, an impulsive husband often has a patient wife. And this helps to keep him out of trouble. Now this is amazing right here. The husband must be the thermostat in the home. Now think about this. The husband must be the thermostat. He adjusts the temperature of the home, the emotional tone, the spiritual temperature. You ever notice when the, when the husband comes home, if he's grumpy, it sets all the, the wife and the children on edge? I didn't, even realize, I didn't even realize how much the anger in my children was coming because of the anger in me. And the moodiness in them was a response from the moodiness in me. Why? I'm the thermostat. I set the tone. Usually if I come home happy, it sets the tone. If I come home grumpy, it sets the tone. Now, watch this. Men, uh, the wife is a thermometer. She'll let you know what the temperature is. Mm -hmm. Now, both are necessary. The husband who is sensitive to his wife's feelings will not only make her happy, but will also grow himself and help his children live in a home that honors God. Number four, spiritual responsibility. I, I would dare to say probably most every couple, if not all the couples in here are struggling with this, and we need to get better at this because if we get better at this, it will help everything else. Peter assumed that husbands and wives would pray together. Often they do not, and this is the reason for much failure and unhappiness. It is the prayer life of a couple that indicates how things are going in the home. If something is wrong, their prayers will be hindered. A husband and wife need to have their own private individual prayer time each day. 
They also need to pray together and to have a time of family devotion. How, is this, how, is, how this is organized will change from home to home and even from time to time as the children grow up and schedules change. The Word of God and prayer are basic to a happy, holy home. A husband and wife are heirs together. If the wife shows submission and the husband consideration, and if both submit to Christ and follow his example, then they will have an enriching experience in their marriage. If not, they will miss God's best and rob each other of the blessings and growth. The grace of life may refer to children who certainly are a heritage from God, but even childless couples can enjoy spiritual riches if they will obey Peter's admonition. Somebody say amen. Now, the papers, the papers, quickly. On the back, the very back of these notes, on the very back of these notes, now the, one, the, the ones you just got through reading, there's questions. I want, you to ask, I want you to ask your spouse, your partner, I want you to ask them these questions and you deal with it one-on-one. -on -one. All right? Are we partners or competitors? And be honest. If you lie, it don't work. Okay? Be honest. Are we helping each other become more spiritual? Are we helping each other become more spiritual? Are we dependent on the externals or the eternals? Do we understand each other better? Are we sensitive to each other's feelings and ideas or taking each other for granted? Are we seeing God answer our prayers? That's a biggie. That's a biggie. Are we enriched because of our marriage or robbing each other of God's blessings? Are we enriched because of our marriage? Or robbing each other of God's blessings. Now, here's the deal. When you ask each other those questions, and, and, and be honest with each other, and don't do it, don't do it in an, in an accusatory way. Don't get defensive. This is not a time where we, we can share why that person's doing all this stuff wrong, and we can get defensive if, if we don't agree with the other person's assessment of the answer to the question. Y'all with me? Now, how many, raise, raise that other paper. Raise that other paper. You got every couple should have one. Every couple should have one. All right, there's a, on the top of that page, on the top of that page, Brother Buchanan wants to say on the very top. Wives read aloud. Wives read aloud. This is, I believe the first one is, is uh, mistakes that we make disrespecting our husbands, right? Let me see it. All right, the first one, the first one deals with how we show disrespect to our husbands. And wives, I want you to read that because that's coming from a man's point of view. All right, then the back page, I want husbands, I want you to read it aloud because these are ways, these are ways that you make your wife feel unloved. These are steps, these are things we do to make her feel unloved and I want you to read it. I don't want you to read the men's part because, because uh, 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 if we're not reading it, we're checking out. But if we're reading it, what we need to hear, then we're paying mo more attention. Does everybody understand that? Amen. So when you get together with your spouse, turn the phone off, kick the dog outside, turn the TV off. Y'all with me? And let's have some great marriages. Let's have some great godly marriages. And all God's people say it. Amen. Father, 